Hello and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Sarah Ann Minkin, Director of Programs and Partnerships at the Foundation. Today is February 27th, 2024, and I am delighted to be here with Rania Batrice, one of FMEP's 2024 Palestinian non-resident fellows. Rania is an activist and strategist for progressive change, a public relations specialist, and a political consultant. This is our first official podcast together with Rania as our new fellow, and I am so glad that you are here, Rania. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I want to start by asking you to please tell us about yourself. Where are you from? What do you want listeners to know about you as a political strategist, as an activist, as a coalition builder? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you again. So I am first-generation Palestinian. My parents immigrated to the U.S. to Texas, actually, where I'm still based. Um, it's a it's an interesting place to be, for sure. But, you know, my parents immigrated here to give my brothers and I a, a better life, theoretically. And um, I think I get asked quite a bit why it is I do the work that I do. And, and the, the short answer is because I'm Palestinian. Uh, I grew up understanding very clearly, uh, even even before I had the vocabulary for it, just what it what it meant to be Palestinian. And and as we know today, just given everything that we're facing, um, it's so front and center. It's not new. Nothing that's happening now is new, but the curtain has kind of been pulled back or the things that Palestinian people have been contending with for decades and decades, nearly a century. And so um, you know, so much of, of the work that I do it might seem disjointed when you look at it on paper. If you kind of look at it side by side, it's like what you're doing political work and policy work and advocacy and coalition building. And it all might seem very disjointed and the issues themselves. I mean, I do a lot of work around a lot of different issue areas. And the fact of the matter is to me, they all intersect at the point of justice. Um, and, and that's just the reality. And, and so I know we're, we're going to have lots of conversations and this is going to be a great interview and, and folks will learn more about me as we go along. But uh, at the end of the day, the thing that I want people to take away is, is that everything I do is, is in a pursuit of justice and equity for all people, um, my people included. Thank you for that. So in the pursuit of justice and equity, will you tell us a little bit in a concrete way about the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, you know, I did things for years like manage campaigns and and was in the comm space and and uh, a lot of policy creation. Uh, and really, there were a few times in my career where I swore off politics forever and ever, and I was never going back ever again. And that didn't last, obviously. But in those times, <laughs> I worked um, within advocacy and coalition building and, and in nonprofits specifically. And I really, I really, really fell in love with that work. Uh, and I still love that work. And it's very, very important to me. So as I was getting pulled back into the political space, I, I felt the pull on the other side too, to really go back to um to the advocacy and coalition building work. And I was told over and over and over that I needed to pick, I had to choose, I had to pick what I was gonna do, I couldn't do both. And so I often joke that the fastest way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't do it. So 
here we are. <laughs> uh, in in March, it'll be 24 years doing this this work, and and I'm very, it's very stressful and and uh, really wild most days. But I do both. I do political work and I do advocacy work, and sometimes that is, um, it is bringing policy. Uh, forward in into coalitions and advocacy spaces that that it's policy that's really great it already exists we just really need to give it a boost sometimes it is policy we, we want to see it doesn't exist so that 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 sort of coalition might come together to push members to bring specific policy forward sometimes it is electoral work uh oftentimes obviously it, it we hear the saying all the time it matters who sits in the seats we're seeing that truer than ever these days it does matter who sits in those elected seats um and and also sometimes it's just helping people sort of get their vision off the ground so some of my work includes um, for example gun violence prevention and uh, unfortunately um there's it's very wildly prevalent in our country and so oftentimes survivor families might reach out to me to help them get a foundation off the ground in the name of a loved one who was killed or um you know sometimes it's it's things like event production i mean it, it really just varies it depends on what the needs are um uh and how i can best be of service and plug in so it's it it is like i said if you look at it if you look at it on paper it all seems very all over the place and um a little bit disjointed but it, but again all of the work whether it's in climate whether it's in literal justice reform or um palestinian liberation it, it always comes back to to the justice and equity piece and and how can we in a very holistic way achieve the changes that we need. So from a electoral perspective, again, ensuring that we're electing the right people from a policy perspective, making sure we're putting um, good policy forward. And then advocacy and coalition building sometimes is, is just a must to push people in the right direction. I, I sometimes tell a not, not a very funny joke, but a joke that rarely do politicians wake up deciding they're gonna make the right decision. We have to force them. And there's exceptions, obviously. Of course, there are. There are really fantastic people who are truly serving the people. Um, but unfortunately, I feel like that's the exception and not the norm uh, within the halls of Congress and even the White House. Especially at this moment. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you for all of that. Will you tell us a little bit about specifically about your work around Palestinian liberation and what that looks like? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's been ongoing. Um, in my sort of earlier days, it's, it was about trying to help people see the intersection of the, of our cause of, of Palestinian liberation and self-determination. Um, there's so many groups and individuals that I work with that can see themselves in our struggle for I do a lot of reparations work with the black community there's a direct through line between that struggle and our struggle I've done a lot of land back work with indigenous communities as well as things like you know protecting indigenous lands and 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 land back again specifically but obvious very obvious through line there with our struggle and and that struggle as well it's so I say in the early days that was a really big focus. It still is. Um, it still is today. And and we're actually seeing 
the fruits of that labor that so many have been working on for so, so long. I, I mean, there's just so many incredible people who've been in this space for so long and we're seeing it kind of come front and center in a bigger way than I think I've ever seen in my lifetime where people are not only seeing themselves in the struggle, they're actually coming together to, to, um, to lift their voices and, and stand quite frankly, in front of us in some ways, in front of us as Palestinians, as people who see us as human beings and and are utilizing their platforms and their voices to make sure everybody that they're connected to are, are seeing the same things. And so that has been ongoing work for, like I said, for a couple decades now, more, I mean, really my whole life, I was born Palestinian. So, um, and then part of it too is, what I was saying about be, just being humanized, being seen as human beings, I feel like that is a big part of my work too, is storytelling. Um, it, it is not an accident uh, and it didn't doesn't happen in a vacuum. And we see it happen to so many different communities where they are, I mean, dehumanized. That's the only way I can say it. And it's really... Um, it's such a it's such a complicated thing to unwind when you again have been for decades and decades been painted with a certain brush and there's just decades of propaganda and lots of money behind selling that narrative of who we are and what kind of people we are and our right to exist or not exist and all of these kinds of things so it's um part of part of my work also is bringing forward the stories of of all of us. I mean, people like me and, and my family and other families just like ours that um, live in people's communities. And, and, and it, I, I, I sometimes say one of my friends always calls me Palestinian undercover. That's not, you know, everybody doesn't know right away. If you just look at me that I'm Palestinian, but I am a hundred percent. And so oftentimes people will say things in front of me, not knowing that I'm Palestinian and it's, disgusting quite frankly and so I feel like part of my unofficial work too is sometimes I will let people go and say the horrible awful things they say and then say hey by the way I'm Palestinian like you're talking about me you're talking about my family you're talking about you work with me <laughs> you know and and I'm not quiet about being Palestinian but um but oftentimes people like to ignore or forget that wow what experiences you must have had across such and <laughs> in, in, with such a variety in your career and all of the different people you've worked with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question specifically about Palestine now. Um, I want to ask you if you can talk about what you think this moment in time or this moment in history means for Palestinians or for Palestine. Uh, is there a way to describe where we are right now? I it's 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 difficult only because it's so emotional. And and like I I said before none of this is new. You know, none of the, the settler violence in the West Bank is not new. The the control over movement I mean, every bit of movement is not new. Um, and I, I often tell the story uh, about, I mean, myself, my own experience. I still have tons of family there. And every time I travel back home to see them, 
I get detained and I'm told that my American passport doesn't matter there. And um, when I am traveling like between the West Bank and, and the rest of the country, I always get stopped. It's always an ordeal. And I'm an American citizen. So imagine being Palestinian and not an American citizen. Although, of course, to sorry to digress a bit, but we're seeing again and again, American Palestinians being killed there and nothing, zero response from from the administration or from anybody. I mean, from this White House that very specifically said, if you come after Americans, we will respond. Unless you're Palestinian American, then it doesn't count. Um, again, sorry to digress, but but that is, that's just kind of the um, reality we've always existed in. And it, it does feel emotional in a way, because it's like we've been sort of jumping up and down and screaming and just trying to be seen and heard for so long. And it feels like it's finally happening, but after what? Uh, and it's it's one of these situations where I honestly, I'll speak for myself, I have to kind of grab a hold of myself and understand that this is the most disgusting, atrocious thing that we're, we're watching genocide unfold in front of our very eyes, being paid for and facilitated and excused by our own government, funded by our own tax dollars. All these things are true. And at the same time, we are watching it happen in real time on our phones, on our computers. It cannot be ignored. So we're seeing voices come into this space now. Who, I mean, some of them have been with us forever and God love them. Um, but we're seeing these new voices come into the space and these new allies come into the space who weren't necessarily aware before. So there's a part of me, if I'm being just very honest, and I promise I, I check myself as often as I can, there's a part of me that's frustrated because it's not new and it's just like, oh my gosh, we've been trying to tell you this for so long. And then the other part of me that's like, whatever, we just have to move. We have to get, we have to take, um, we can't let all the lives that have been taken, all the people who have been killed be for nothing. I mean, I hate to even say it that way, but as frustrating as it might be, it just doesn't matter. We're in this moment right now and we have to utilize it to ensure that people continue to talk about it, continue to make moves to end the suffering that again is not new. It's decades and decades old and to ensure that we're moving toward a just peace Truly, not this Frankenstein's monster that Netanyahu is talking about, like a continuation of occupation and apartheid, but real, true, just peace for everybody. Thank you for laying that out so clearly and and um, so clearly, so accessibly. There's a um, there's a, a sort of political slogan that you're never late for justice. Hmm. And I don't know if it's true or not, um, but I know that I'm, 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 I'm hearing in what you said, I'm hearing you wrestle with it in some way. Also this idea that this has been going on for so long. Where have you been to the people who are yeah. arriving now? And also there's a kind of, okay, you're here. Let's move forward. This is, yeah. there's no, there's no time to waste. And exactly. I, I hear you yeah. saying both of those things so clearly and moving yeah, towards this, yeah. this just peace. Um, yeah, no, it's exactly right. And it, it's, 
it is one of those situations that I, I'm a believer in allowing ourselves to feel everything we need to feel. And I, 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 I try to give myself that grace too, of, you know, allowing myself to feel frustrated and also not getting stuck in it because the fact of the matter is it doesn't help anyone to sit in frustration and not do everything possible to move forward. I mean, we have, it, it's literally life and death and the future of the Palestinian state and Palestinian people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all of that. So I, I want to, so here you are, you've described this moment where we are, that it, it, it couldn't be more urgent of a time um, or higher stakes. And you said yes when FMEP asked you to be a fellow with us this year, um, which means that lucky us, we're going to get to work with you to host conversations, webinars, podcasts, your vision for the, the urgent uh, and necessary public conversations right now. That's what we get to do on this channel together. And so I, I want to ask you, um, what do you most want the Foundation for Middle East Peace, FMEP, what do you most want our audiences to know or to think about or to be challenged by? Uh, we are, and I know, you know, we, we want to stay within all of the compliance things, but we are in an election year. And so without going into anything specifically partisan i do i would like really just love to impress upon everybody to to do your homework and i don't just mean in the traditional ways of know what people say of course of course understand what people stand for and what they you know what they're all about and all of those things but also understand that we live in a time where uh propaganda runs rampant it, it's again, it's not new, but it is, I feel like there's a lot more money behind it and it's a lot more prevalent. And so as you're taking in content, whether it's social media or commercials or whatever it is, do some digging and understand who's behind it. What is their motivation? What are they trying to get you to do, believe, etc. cetera? Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing too is there is a very obvious desperation for all of us to talk about anything else other than Gaza, other than Palestine, other than Palestinians. There's a desperate attempt to turn the page, to change the subject, to get us to just talk about anything else. And I, my hope is that we're able to continue this conversation and bringing it to the forefront of people's minds and and also to understand how th this situation impacts every one of us there's a tendency in this country i always say nobody in the united states really cares about foreign policy until something happens and then it's like a blip on the radar and then everybody moves on um I personally care a lot about foreign policy, and so that's not the place I necessarily exist. But I also can absolutely appreciate people are busy. They have families and jobs and kids and, you know, all the things that are going on. And so it's very easy to sort of unplug and say, this doesn't impact me. This is not about me. And the reality is it is about you. It's about all of us. So when our government is telling us 
we can't afford health care as a human right for every person in this country, when our government is telling us we can't afford to address climate change, when they're telling us we can't afford to um, to, to give reparations to people that have been harmed, harmed and continue to be harmed by this country. They tell us all these things. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't address child poverty. It's too expensive in this country. Yet they're going to send billions and billions and trillions of dollars to drop bombs on children. It rings hollow. And, and I do think it's really important. And this is, it's obviously not just right this moment, but but we're in this moment now, so I'm going to talk about it. But this is an ongoing situation with this country where we can't do anything for people here, but we are paying for settlers in the West Bank to have health care and education and to move and to live on occupied land. And so and we are paying like, no, don't get confused. Anybody out there listening, we are paying for that. We are paying for that while our government's telling us we can't have those same things here. So you're asking everyone to pay attention, yes. do their homework <laughs> Please. in an election yes. year. Yeah. I, I just, I want to note that um, today, Tuesday, the 27th is the Michigan primary. Yes. Um, could you just tell our audience for a second, what is happening in Michigan right yeah. now with, with Gaza, with Palestine, with Palestinians? Absolutely. So there's... Uh, there's a very large Arab and Muslim population in Michigan, uh, very, very active and historically um, democratic constituency. And, and there's obviously a lot of not just frustration, heartache, pain, people who have lost dozens and dozens, some hundred or more family members who live in Michigan and the expectation has been, and in fact, the president has even said it out loud, that everybody's going to forget come November. And my answer to him and to the administration is, go speak to a person in Michigan who has lost 30 or 60 or 100 family members, and they're going to have some choice words for you. Understandably. I mean, this is not uh, this is not a... a what we're witnessing, what's happening, the loss, it is massive and is touched, touching everybody. And so there is this um, attempt, this campaign, a coordinated effort within Michigan, just like you said, today is the primary. There is a lot of states don't have this, but Michigan does, where they actually on the Democratic ballot, there is a line for uncommitted. You can vote uncommitted in the Democratic primary. Um, and and there's there are many different ways to send a message to the White House. This is one of them. And I'm I'm very proud to have have worked alongside some of the, the folks in Michigan who are who are working on this effort. And it is it's incredibly important because while we can see this administration getting scared, they're unfortunately not doing much more than providing lip service. In fact, I'm not even going to say much more. All they're doing is giving us lip service. It's They are saying the things, Biden, they're leaking stories. President Biden is, is talking about, you know, yesterday, I'm sure you saw as he's eating ice cream, he's talking about the ceasefire agreement that may or may not be in place by, by uh, Monday. And 
And we all know what that actually means. It's not a permanent ceasefire. And we know because Netanyahu and his entire administration have told us, they've told us exactly what they're doing. They've said genocide. They've used genocidal language. They've called this the next Nakba. And so we are we are in this dire situation where the person who is singularly positioned to stop the suffering is the president of our country and refusing to do anything substantive. And that is what voting uncommitted is all about in Michigan. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm hopeful there's really been so many people on the ground working hard to spread the word and, and send the message that this is a, a very important form of, of protest, quite frankly. Thank you for that explanation um, and, and for demonstrating so clearly what this moment is and, mm -hmm. and also why it's so important to us at FMEP to have you and have your voice yeah. and and the work that you're doing and, and what you think is um, important and urgent and to bring that to our audiences. I know that uh, in a few days from now, we're going to have hopefully your first, your, another another mm -hmm. first podcast with you that's going to get dig deeper into the politics. Um, and in, you referenced before that people should do their homework. I just want to say that we had a webinar with you, I think it was last year, where we talked about um, the sort of masking of Israel aligned PACs in oh, democratic yeah. primaries. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get into the, you will yeah. get into those issues, but there is a lot of money coming from um, Israel aligned organizations, specifically APAC affiliated PACs that are, are um, pushing an agenda that is much broader than anything that has to do with Israel and in the democratic primary. So you're going to, interpret, translate, unpack all of this um, for our audience and bring it to people's attention and, and help us learn and grow as um, engaged people in this country and in the yeah. world, um, what is really going on here. You're going to help us understand. And I am so grateful to you for all of this and so grateful to you for making time for us. Absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful for you and the entire FMF team. And just um, we're in a, a dire place in the world and in our country. And I think these conversations are really important. So thank you for, for giving me space for them. Thank you. And this is just the beginning. We're going to have you yes. now. We're going to have you for a year. And yeah. um, we wanted to introduce you to our audience, which we which we are now doing in the process of. And um, so to everyone who is listening, thank you for tuning into this episode of, of Occupied Thoughts. Um, please make sure to check out our website, www.fmep.org um, for resources related to what Rania has been talking about for our other podcasts and webinars, for lots of other rich content related to Palestine and to Israel. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so you can stay up to date. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can watch video versions of our podcasts, including this one, on YouTube. And with that, I am Sarah Ann Minkin, signing off until our next episode. Thank you so much.